we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to the universe next door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. This show is a ministry of the C.S. Lewis Society and supported by gifts of listeners just like you. Join us as we seek to see a generation captivated and transformed by the truth of Christianity. This is the universe next door. Welcome to the universe next door. Today I have the honor to interview one of my mentors and the founder of this show. Uh, we'll get into that more in a few minutes, but that is Dr. Tom Woodward. Uh, and so before we get into that, just a couple quick things I wanted to mention. The first one is, as you've probably heard me say already, uh, any week now, I'm hoping, really hoping for next week, we're going to release our interview with Scott Stripling, who is the archaeologist that found the curse tablet, which could be, uh, if it's genuine, which we're hoping it is, one of the biggest discoveries ever made in biblical archaeology because it would contain the oldest inscription of Yahweh. Uh, And so I'm hoping next week that's going to come out. We have to wait. There's a few things going on that I can't mention that are really, really going to be big news. Uh, But I'm hoping that'll come out next week. We're just waiting for him to tell us we can release it. And so I am super pumped about that. You will not be disappointed. Uh, And also, send in your questions to information at apologetics.org for our Q&A coming Uh, What is it, next Friday? The last Friday of the month, whenever that is. Uh, So the last Friday of the month, we're going to be releasing our Q&A with your questions answered. So send some questions in, any question you have. Uh, Don't hesitate. We won't say your name and all that. So just anything that you would have a hard time answering. Like if you were standing in front of somebody and they asked you this question, and you would say, oh my goodness, I have no idea how to respond. What question is that in your in your head and in your life? Uh, send that question in, whether you're a believer or whether you're an atheist or an agnostic, a different religion, whatever it may be. Uh, send in your questions because we would love to answer them. They make us think uh, and they give us new ideas as well to do episodes and topics. So send those questions in to information at apologetics.org. The link is in the description below. Uh, and if you wouldn't mind, make sure to hit follow so that you're alerted of every new episode that comes out. Usually they're Monday night at 6 Eastern time, but occasionally we have another special release like Thursday or Friday or whatever it may be. Um, things come up all the time. So make sure uh, that you hit follow so you're alerted of all of the episodes and you don't have to think about it. I'm sure there's plenty of content you listen to all over the place. So it's easy to uh, it's easy to forget, but just hit follow. And with that being said, let's get started. Dr. Tom Woodward is the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida. He is an author and speaker who has done ministry on every continent except Antarctica. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. And he is a fellow at the Center for Science and Culture at the Discovery Institute. However, many of you will know him not only as my friend and mentor, but the founder of this show, The Universe Next Door. Dr. Woodward, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, you look great. Uh, you are in such just great shape, uh, but also you've done a fantastic job of developing the show, bringing it to the next level. I'm giving you a standing ovation, although I won't make a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for that. And only, uh, I mean, what did you build this up? 2006? Yeah, 2006. Is that when it started? Yeah, that's when it uh, really kicked off. We had an original name for the program uh, when that was Darwin or Design, and kind of Darwin or Design with a question mark after it. 
And obviously, we were presenting the case for the evidence, overwhelming evidence for design, both at the universe, universe level and also in the world of biology with the cell and DNA and all that good stuff. And we actually had a conference at which Michael Behe and Jonathan Wells and Bill Dembski spoke. And that was, a, you know, we almost filled the main section of the Sundome of the University of South Florida. 4,000, roughly 4,000 people came out. And wow. so that was the week that they were there. That was the kickoff of this show. And it's been running since. And you have just done a fantastic job, Nick. My my hat's off to you. Well, thank you. And also for the opportunity. Uh, and then you actually got permission from Jim Sire himself to use the name The Universe Next Door, which, is, of course, is a very famous book. We did. Yeah. And, and that book on worldviews was my favorite, uh, you know, maybe tied in for first place with four other books, but my favorite apologetics book, because it does a fantastic job of surveying the major um, worldviews and, and analyzing them in a, in a robust but, but winsome way. And uh, and so when I approached him, he said, well, I'm, I'm honored, but uh, I guess it's up to my publisher. And so then I said to Interverse Press, I'd like to use the name of his book. Well, what are you going to do? It was like, you know, their hackles are up a little bit. I said, well, I'd like to really um, honor, you know, Jim Sire and, and all that he's doing, but also try to get more people to buy the book. And they said, oh, that's great. How can we help? <laughs> so it's <laughs> our desire to promote the book. And everything was just history at that point. And Universe Next Door, what a, what a great name, because it applies to the universe uh, of, 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 you know, biology and medicine and and physics and chemistry and astronomy, but also the universe of worldviews and ideas. Yeah, it, it's a really awesome name. And people ask me all the time if they're not familiar with the book, they say, what does that mean? And if they are familiar, they know exactly what it is. <clears throat> so it works there too. And I don't want to derail this, but I was going to ask you, in 17 or 18 years, I think it was, you did this uh, every single week. Do you have a favorite standout episode over all that time? Oh, wow. Well, having Doug Gresham on the phone, from Europe, he was, I think, in England or France. No, I think it was in England at the time. So he's the stepson. You know, he grew up in C.S. Lewis's home and had great reminiscences. And uh, it was just tremendous to have him just, you know, on the phone recording every uh, brilliant second of his remembrance of uh, Jack, as he calls him, with his beautiful British accent. I mean, so Doug did a fantastic job. Uh, J.P. Moreland having him on talking about the uh, the book critiquing theistic evolution would be tied for first place and then and then Jim Sire himself we had him on several times and those I think are tied for first place with maybe uh, Phil Johnson as well wow that is awesome uh, and I know you wanted to talk about remembrance today speaking of remembrance uh, mm -hmm. and you've you've had a, a lot of really cool influential classmates you were classmates with Daryl Bach with Dan Wallace in fact when we had Dan Wallace on I'll link that in the description when we both interviewed him last, I think it was last August or September, I reached out to him and he basically had said, uh, I'm, I'm so busy, I'm writing this huge book on textual criticism. He showed us all the bins that he was using, all these sources for each chapter he had in his office. Uh, but, and he said, I'm so busy, I just, I hardly have any time, but I'll make an exception for Tom. And so because he wanted to come on and do the interview with you, because uh, he has known you all these years, he came on and, and, and he did the interview. So that's the story behind that. Yeah, we, we had a blast. It was far too much fun. Yeah, so yeah, it was. Uh, and and so you wanted to get into remembrance a little bit, and you wanted to talk about someone named Bill Samus. Yes. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about who that is for those who may not know? Yeah. Well, of course, Bill Samus, uh, and it's a, a Greek name. He grew up here in this part of Florida and Tarpon Springs, where they have the sponge docks. And a lot of people came from the Dodecanese islands of Greece 
oh, about 1880 through maybe 1920. And it's wow. one of the great Greek, Greek concentrations in the United States today. And I can tell stories about that. But Bill grew up here, uh, had a nominal, you know, commitment uh, or understanding of and acceptance of uh, Greek Orthodoxy, but he kind of dropped it. Uh, became a very gifted uh, musical artist, went to, uh, and if I can tell the story a little bit later, went to the Hollywood area and developed a whole rock band called Warlord. And uh, and so Bill Samas actually uh, had a conversion experience, and I'd like to share a little bit about that. But he became from rock star to, I would say, apologetic star. And it's funny because I don't know how many videos there are out there, but I, we're going to post on our website one of one or two of his famous essays. But I'd like to feature him today because he, he just passed away not too long ago, a couple of years ago. But we've had actually people reaching out to us, get this, from Greece and saying that when he went back on tour in the mid-2000s uh, to 2015, he was so loved. Everybody everywhere was excited that he had brought back this warlord a band, but like with a new flair to it. And I'd just like to honor his powerful influence on this program, but also especially on the apologetics teaching and witness of Trinity College, where we are based. I think it's pretty an untold and truly amazing story. Yeah. Now, now how did you, did you know Bill or do you just, you're influenced by him or how do you know of him? Okay, well, it began when Phil Johnson came and he presented a conference and we actually had a couple of other famous uh, Christian philosophers come. And this is so it was the summer of 1994. And this tall, uh, handsome young man came to me and says, I'm just enrolling. I'm and I'm enrolled for this course, but can I really kind of get to know you? And I said, well, who are you? And he said, my name is Bill Samas. I became a Christian a few years ago in California. And I used to have this rock band called the Warlords, and the Lord has actually directed me to go into full-time ministry. I said, wow. Well, he put his uh, nose to the grindstone. He had already had maybe two and a half, almost three years of college. He aced 100% every course at Trinity College. Wow. That next year. So 1995, guess who was valedictorian? <laughs> yeah, I think I have an idea. <laughs> Bill Samas. And, well, so he was actually valedictorian of the school? He was valedictorian. And what year was that? I'm sorry? What year was that? 1995. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he 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 cut a swath, but he so here he is brilliant, but he's he's like a gentle giant. I mean, when I say giant, he was I think 6162. And and uh but for fun as he was speaking in chapel and I asked him shortly after that when he got his masters from Dallas Seminary. He was just plugging on. His wife was in a, a tragic car accident and almost lost her life and was bedridden. But he was ministering to her and he had a side job. I said, would you consider teaching apologetics with me and also intro to philosophy with me in the classroom? We kind of tag team. You do the Tuesday lecture. And I do the Thursday lecture. You know, you prepare these quizzes. I prepare those quizzes. And so we, we worked it out. And for, I would say, five or six years, he was either with me or then he progressed to full professor of apologetics at Trinity College. Wow. It's just, and he he flourished. He, he created some of the most amazing and winsome presentations of God breaking into history, God moving in the cosmos that he had created because men had rebelled. And he was able to capture this true story. It's a great story to begin with. But Bill, as Bill would say, the, the key question, is it true? 
And then he would bring in all kinds of evidence, but also the heart evidence. He would actually open up the human heart desire for fulfillment, completion, uh, and, and you, you almost like a godly ecstasy, a view of God. And I was enthralled. I was I was built up. I mean, I was made stronger in Christ every time I listened to this gentle teaching giant of Bill Psalmus as he unrolled the basic truths and the validity, the evidence, the confirming evidence for the Christian faith. And I just don't think, uh, you know, there's almost more of a wonderful, warm memory I have uh, of Bill Psalmus. And I just thought I'd just explain what he had done at Trinity. Yeah, that's a really great memory to have. What what were some of his like main areas of focus? I know you mentioned Phil Johnson, so yeah. that made me think science related. But what 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 was his kind of his niche, so to speak? Well, I think culture is one because remember he had come from a fairly heavy dude. It's heavy metal. We're talking about heavy metal music, right? And so he uh, or his friends had actually uploaded some of his songs. This is BC before Christ. But his heavy metal was actually enriched with his knowledge, get this, of Bach, Mozart, and all the classical composers. Wow. I mean, so he had the brilliance of a modern rocker, but he had the complete uh, like background and appreciation of the great music of all time. So if you go through YouTube, if you just put Bill Samus, again, begin with a T, T-S-A-M-I-S, and you go down through there, you'll see some where he has long hair, and I don't even know if he even has a shirt on. And some sometimes he's sitting with his guitar playing a song, and sometimes he's rocking on the stage, and the camera falls him back and forth. Uh, but after he became a Christ follower, that creativity just exploded to a new level, as he would talk about how Christ is confirmed in the study of world cultures, and even his own Greek culture, and how God has worked in and through it. Uh, he loved historical apologetics. He would always say, okay, how do we know? He would ask the students, how do we know that Christ is alive? Is it just a, a leap of faith? Or are there really any indications, any markers, any clues, any eyewitnesses? People say, follow the science. Well, Bill Samas would always say, let's follow the evidence where it leads. And he'd say, and then as we discuss the eyewitnesses, he'd say, so what's the conclusion? And the students would say, he's alive. And so wow. I just those are two of the points I'll just mention. Yeah, and it's funny because it seems like a lot of uh a lot of metal, you know, musicians are coming to Christ. Like a lot of them, uh, Alice Cooper is one of them, Dave Mustaine's another guy from a band called Megadeth. I know a lot of people who listen to metal and these guys who have put their faith in Christ and sort of left their as you put it, their before Christ BC life behind. Uh they'll they'll even say, "Well, I'm not going to play these certain songs anymore because they don't honor God. And so it seems like God's really working a lot in those communities, which is pretty interesting. Right. Uh, and 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 can I share his story of what really grabbed his heart? Yeah. <laughs> so that would be awesome. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a, a, a weird, I guess I can use that word, weird uh, situation. He had had, an, uh, I don't know if it was a near lethal overdose, but it was an overdose of drugs. He was into drugs like most of his band members were in the culture he was living in out there in California. And, and he realized that it was God's hand that brought him through that night, that, that horrific night. And he, as he went down on the street in front of the building where he was, I, I, I think I've got it right here in the details. But he said he just looked for something to read to calm him. And he saw that he never noticed before this little Christian bookstore. 
And he's walked in, he thought, what can I read? And the thing on the shelf in front of him that caught, got his attention was a book by C.S. Lewis. Wow. Can you believe this? <laughs> Did you know what it was? Yes, it was The Problem of Pain. Oh, boy, he started a little bit, a little heavy. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, Lewis, I'd say on a scale of, of one to ten, that's maybe a two and a half. Or so it's uh, it's not yeah. you know, it's maybe a little heavy, but but it's the book. The, the, the Problem of Pain is the same book that the people at uh, BBC, uh, the head of BBC programming for religious purposes, read that book and came head, heading fast to Lewis, say, would you come on BBC radio in World War II? And that right. led to the book Mere Christianity. Yeah, yeah, I think Problem with Pain is probably in the top five of best books ever written. I think. Oh, absolutely, yes. I think you you've read it at part of your CS class, CS Lewis class that we taught in early. So yeah, we- I've read I've read it quite a few times, and it's funny because in the the beginning of it, where he's almost like presenting the case for atheism. Yeah, uh, my brother read that. He's like, "Wow, I was almost convinced that, to be an atheist in the first chapter." So it's like he's not strawmanning atheism; he just goes and uh, picks it apart. Yes, he does pick it apart, and, and it's that same chapter, that same opening chapter, which reviews what he used to think, which is used by Max McLean, you know, in the film "The Most mm-hmm. Reluctant Convert," you know, the untold story of C.S. Lewis. By the way, if I can do an unabashed plug for Max McLean, sure. His- shows are fabulous beyond fabulous and his movie is like not only five stars it's maybe uh, 12 to 15 stars (laughs) okay so but but again it's that problem of pain which which he's dealing with the issue of how is god using pain in our lives and as actually an expression of his love and when bill samas as he paid for the book and took it home he read i think almost half of it within a few hours and it was wow. like a lightning bolt. And he basically, as I recall, within 24 hours, had given his heart and his life and trusted Jesus, who died in his place and rose again and knew he had the gift of eternal life. I think that's just one of the best stories of someone coming to faith I've ever heard. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, that, it sounds like they'd make a movie out of it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> talk to my friends in Hollywood next week. So, yeah. but uh, but truly, Bill Samus, after he began to work on apologetics was so powerfully used of God that, uh, and I couldn't be there, I was doing ministry overseas in Europe at the time, but um, at the at the time that he was like transitioning out of Trinity College, he got the Faculty of the Year Award. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And so he got this very, very high, very special, very, you might think of elite award because he was so deeply appreciated by the students and the faculty, his colleagues on the staff at Trinity College. And then, of course, um, uh, as he had the idea and desire to re, as it were, pull back together the elements that were still around of the warlord, he began to uh, generate waves of excitement across, uh, I would say, Greece and that whole part of uh, Eastern Europe. I think he toured a number of countries. I don't know all the details. And I actually uh, hope to reach out to uh, his daughter. I think his daughter still lives in the area. I'd like to get more of the details. But we've actually had uh, some wonderful people reach out to us from Greece and asking uh, if we uh, could share a little bit, kind of the rest of the story, you know, mm. as, as we use that phrase sometimes, but uh, but we've been we've been blessed by many colleagues in 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 this ministry, haven't we, Nick? Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because now we live probably I don't know less than ten minutes from Tarpon Springs, which 
for those of you who aren't from Florida, as you mentioned, is a very heavily populated Greek area and they have all kinds of good food. Uh, and so I, I, I'm right down the street from there. And I was going to ask you before he was, uh, before he had his conversion, was he formerly atheist or was he Greek Orthodox? That's a good question. And um, I believe he had pretty much given up on his faith and become, let's say, a kind of um, agnostic. So he was nominal Greek Orthodox. And uh, I mean, I grew up Presbyterian. I know some other people grew up mm. Baptist or Catholic or whatever. And sometimes you maintain the traditions. It's like a veneer. It's like the skin, the outside skin of a peach. But the it's just the skin. There's nothing. Then the nice sweet fruit underneath doesn't exist. So right. for me, I was a nominal Presbyterian, but then virtually was an agnostic, uh, heading toward atheism rapidly in my freshman year of college. I think he was a nominal Greek Orthodox who, in the, in his heart, had really become a, a doubter about God and, and embracing this almost nihilistic view that was pretty prevalent in that heavy metal uh, acid rock. Mm. But yeah. uh, I, I think probably the, the funniest moment in chapel is when we had Bill Sama speak, and, and we we surprised him by putting up there and from the uh, YouTube had just been created. And we put up there on the screen, this huge screen we have in the chapel, a picture of him walking up and down the stage with hair down to his waist, screaming, <laughs> flailing wildly, playing playing his heavy metal music. It's, it's, he, had, he just laughed and laughed and laughed. So, well, I've changed since then. <laughs> yeah. And what year did you start teaching at Trinity? It was 80? 80... Uh, yeah, it was 88. So I'm now completing my 35th year. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, it's been a, a fun and wild ride, and I'm, I'm actually transitioning to uh, adjunct, uh, you know, online teaching. So, um, talking to the administration about which courses uh, I would be uh, enjoying, you know, the opportunity to teach. But we, we we've had, if I can just mention, this relationship with some of the top experts in the world in DNA. Can I mention a couple of those, like? This is on my honorable mention list right there with, with Bill Samus. Yeah. So, I mean, some of the great pioneers in understanding the puzzle of origin of life, abiogenesis. I mean, this, uh, this ministry actually would not be here. You and I would not be talking about apologetics if it weren't for Charles Thaxton. Mm -hmm. And so... He has just published his life story, a leg to stand on, a great, great, great remembrance of his whole life, you know, chapter by chapter. I recommend it highly. And there's a, a chapter in there where he mentions uh, him mentoring this young, um, you know, wannabe professor. I don't think I was a professor when he met me. I was actually going to the mission field in the Dominican Republic. But Charles Thaxton, who was the co-author of The Mystery of Life's Origin. Yeah. Oh, there you have it. The well, I was going to say, sorry, for those of you listening, I'm sorry, you can't see this. Only only we get to see it. But you gave me an autographed copy. I oh, think wow. you, Yeah, I got this from you a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. So so Charles Thaxton had, had signed it. Yeah. So we actually produced a, um, we had him come to Trinity College. And this is, uh, okay, everybody who's taking uh, the University Next Door course for credit. Ha ha. Okay. <laughs> 
I know, Nick, you've taken it for credit 150 times. <laughs> yeah. So, but the universe next door, uh, the, to get your credit on, on the final exam, okay, you have to at least watch the amazing YouTube of Charles Thaxton telling his life story, very, in, very much in brief, 40 minutes, and that includes how he came about writing this bombshell book that opened up the whole intelligent design movement. And that is right there on YouTube. And it was filmed at Trinity College, although actually it was actually broadcast on TV uh, by the Worship Network, uh, the Christ actually Christian Television Network on uh, the Arthleen Rippey Show. It was quite a spectacular breakthrough for Trinity College and the universe next door to connect with Charles Thaxton. And it might be fun to have him on to talk about the origin of life. So he's still going strong. He's uh, up there in years, but he uh, has the energy of a 20-year-old. Yeah, no, we would love to have him on. I remember when we had uh, David Berlinski on last year. That was really cool, too. Yeah. And a lot of the guys from the Discovery Institute. But that would be awesome to have him yeah. on. And, and and if I could swing the pendulum of, from the time from, you know, let's we're talking about the 80s and into the 90s and 2000s, just in the last year, uh, Nick, you remember us uh, putting up on there on our pod podcast, Berkeley Grider? Yeah. So Berkeley Grider's uh, interview with me, the kind of video form of that, will should be actually published in the next two weeks. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, that'd be awesome. So Berkeley Grider is an expert on epigenetics. Epigenetics meaning the study of the world of biotechnology and molecular biology sitting just above, around and above the DNA double helix. And these epigenetic um, functions, these uh, systems that control the DNA are like the orchestra conductor. So DNA is like the, uh, the members of the orchestra, but you need a conductor to run the whole system. And that's the epigenetic system. And so when I was able to uh, interview Berkeley Greider, and, uh, and we just had a, had a just extraordinary, wonderful time, and then we, of course, uh, you you enabled us to upload that right there to the podcast. Uh, we have had a tremendous opportunity to pick out the juiciest, most powerful parts of that broadcast and turn it into a YouTube. And wow. so I think uh, we we are blessed uh, to have the one of the hottest experts who's chasing down the epigenetic causes of childhood cancers. Think of that. Berkeley Grider has been raised up by God to, to focus like laser beams on these childhood cancers, to understand what's going on, and to outwit those cancers and save those children. I think it's an amazing cause. Oh, yeah. And he's not only just a brilliant guy, he's like a genius, uh, but the work <laughs> he's doing is really just so valuable. Like you said, working to cure child cancer. I mean, that's you can hardly think of a more worthy cause. Exactly. And uh, and so I just uh, thank you for the opportunity to just walk down memory lane with you, and especially in honor of Bill Samus as we send this uh, podcast link out to all of his many, many hundreds and even thousands of friends across Greece and across the world. It's been a fun journey with Bill Samus. I look forward to seeing him in heaven. Yeah, absolutely. And you will one day. Uh, yeah. Now, before we go, can you we have the video to look forward to. You're always working on 10 billion things. Uh, but do you have something that we can look forward to in the near future? I can put in the description. Yeah, if if you could just uh, just keep up us um, lifted up in prayer as Joe Alada and I, who did a seminar this past week at Trinity College, and it's actually 
uh, viewable online uh, through Trinity College's uh, Facebook page. But we had a blast just walking through the entire Old Testament in two and a half, just under three hours. And so uh, in the opening section, I, I, I used what I call a new roadmap to the Old Testament. Right. And it's it's a hyperactive timeline. But then I tell about what's exploding onto the scene in each of those sections of the timeline. And Joe Alada, our young rising star professor at Trinity College, was, I mean, off the chart. I mean, he's a great lecturer to begin with, but he was spellbinding. And I was especially amused as he took each of the like oh, uh, 10 or 11 of the major figures, the judges, and he identified each one of them as one of the Marvel superheroes. Oh, yeah. He did. You know, so every single one, including Captain America, okay, including Thor, uh, you know, and uh, what I, I can't name them all, but you have to just watch that you know the the facebook rendering it's about halfway through but it was it was better than i i could imagine and so we are working on that as a book we have about two chapters out of the 14 that are ready uh, need to be finished up and then we're ready to go to the publisher hopefully this summer so appreciate your prayer for that yeah absolutely we'll be praying for that that's going to be awesome uh now we can add this episode to the memory books with the many many others that's great. Well, it's been a, a, a just a tremendous um, pleasure and privilege to talk to you. And thank you for leading the charge in presenting Christ to a, a skeptical world. No, of course. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope you have a great week. You too. Thank you for listening to The Universe Next Door. Don't forget to hit follow and send in your questions to information at apologetics.org. That's information at apologetics.org for the Q&A on the last Friday of this month. And we'll see you back here next week on The Universe Next Door.